0: Friends. Hopefully you're great wherever you are today. Uh, My name is Drew and of course this is the Fasting Series, a midweek podcast that we have been dropping every week leading up to Easter around this ancient spiritual discipline of fasting. I really hope this has been beneficial for you over the last number of weeks as you've listened in. This is the final episode, but I just want to say thanks for listening in and if this hasn't been helpful for you, maybe it hasn't, it has certainly been helpful for me in my own journey around fasting fasting. From the onset I've talked very openly that I kind of had a transactional view of this discipline. I fast and I give up stuff so that I get stuff. But I sense as I talk to people, and even in my own story, that there's actually a much beautiful, much more beautiful story at hand and why we would do this, why we would abstain from food and water. So I hope in some ways it's been helpful as we've talked about what fasting is and why we would do it. As I've said in previous episodes, we've been just talking about a number of reasons why, just building blocks, one on top of uh, the other, just trying to help and kind of create a bit of a theology as to why we would do this. If you haven't listened to past episodes, I really do encourage you to go back. There's a number of reasons why I believe and we believe that entering into this rhythm on a, on a regular basis, whether that's weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever, that doing this is so beneficial and so helpful, especially as we live as disciples in this present age. At any rate, here's what I want to do. I want to give you the probably the greatest reason why i I have entered into a regular weekly fast. Now, just tie into last week a little bit. Last week, we talked that fasting is a practice that longs for the kingdom of God. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus basically says, Listen, I'm he- here. My disciples aren't fasting right now. Um, that isn't as much the emphasis because I'm among them. It's a time for feasting, but there will be a day when the Son of Man is taken away and it will be a time for fasting. And so we've talked about how we live in that time right now. Jesus has Ascended a couple thousand years ago to the right hand of the Father, and now we're longing for this kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And one of the ways that we do this is by fasting. But I'll say this here is the number one reason why I fast on a weekly basis. Again, you don't have to do this, but this is how this has revolutionized and changed my life. I hope it doesn't, I hope I'm not overselling that, but I'm serious, it really has changed my life. One of the reasons and the main reason why I fast on a regular basis is because through fasting, we are drawn into the story of God. Through fasting, we actually, if you think about it theologically, this practice can lead us to be drawn in to practice the story of God on a regular basis. What do I mean by that? Well, let's talk biblically, and then I'm going to talk really nuts and bolts about my own experience and how I live this out. So biblically, you can sum the biblical story up and do a few chapters. I know the great theologian N.T. Wright talks about the story of God being in six chapters. You have creation, fall, Israel, Jesus who comes on the scene, and the church. And uh, I think that's five chapters. I'm missing one in there. Oh, and then consummation, when Jesus brings heaven to earth. I also think you could look at it basically in this sense. The, the story of God is about three things. It's about Orientation disorientation and reorientation and if you practice fasting where you give up food and water for particular points and seasons or you know days at a time or whatever this is actually something you're drawn into so the story of god is orientation disorientation, reorientation. In the garden, everything is good and beautiful. There's shalom, there's peace, there's rest. God is in rhythm with humans, the earth. Everything is beautiful and wonderful. There's complete orientation. But we know that that story lasts only for basically a page in your Bible disobedient sin, we don't have a ton of time to get into the whole garden narrative, but things go awry, it turns on its head as humans rebel against God and basically want to be God, and basically the whole story unravels to the point where you have basically the whole Old Testament as this story of sin and brokenness, and God trying to redeem the world through a people. Then Jesus gets on the scene, and we know that he begins to, basically the, the scriptures say he Tabernacles among us, amongst humanity, he, he sets his life up as an expression of what God looks like, and he inaugurates his kingdom. And then one of the things we're longing for in our eschatology, the eschaton, our hope is, is that Jesus is going to return to make all things new, that there will be reorientation. So orientation in the garden, right now we're living in disorientation, though Jesus has come to orient us towards him and his kingdom, but there's a promised future hope that orientation is coming. With that in mind, here's what fasting does. You typically, when you fast, you go from your needs being met and being full to abstaining from. F- so that's a, a time of orientation to abstaining from food and water, which is obviously a time of disorientation. Every hunger, pain, every longing for food that you would norm- you know you would normally eat lunch, but you forego it, and you feel that that's a time of disorientation. And then that first bite in the next meal is reorientation. One of the things I think that happens is when we practice fasting is we actually practice the story of God and we're reminded, obviously we talked last week about the longing for the kingdom, but when we fast and if we do it regularly, we're just continually reminded of what God has done and he is doing in the world, what he's going to do. So here's my here's my flow, here's my rhythm. I hate using personal examples because I am... Totally broken with this stuff and far from perfect. But here's my rhythm. Wednesday evenings, our church community, we have in our home, Heather and I, have a community meal. We actually practice community. We have upwards of 30 to 40 people with kids that come into our home, and honestly, everybody brings something every Wednesday night and we pig out. We have a meal, we reflect on the scriptures, we pray together, and then people stay late into the evening. It's amazing. And so when we eat on that Wednesday evening, I am pigging out, eating the best food, having great time with my brother and sisters and my own family, my kids running around. It's just, honestly, it's the highlight of our week. So there's orientation, deep orientation. Everything feels in those moments for the most part as though it should be. And then everybody leaves. And I enter into this time of fasting from sundown on Wednesday throughout the day to Thursday. And so Thursday is often a study day for me and I feel it. I feel the pain at times of being hungry, especially because I pigged out the night before. And this is just a continual reminder every week that something is not right with the world, that there is brokenness, that there is a longing for something better, that that Sin has a hold of this world we 're under the curse there 's things all around us injustice death uh, you you know the story. things are not as they should be, and so when I feel those hunger pains, I move into this disoriented part of the story, and at times I mourn at times i honestly when I feel the hunger pains, it's like a trigger for me just to be reminded. That as though, though I have a great life, I have a beautiful wife, four kids, a great church community and friends in my neighborhood and so many things that are beautiful in my life. um, It's not the end goal. Not everything is as it should be. And so there's this disoriented kind of period. So you go from eating and picking out on Wednesday, orientation to disorientation, and then brothers and sisters throughout the day. I'm just longing to eat. And as the day gets late into Thursday... And it gets close to dinner. Typically, what we do is, um, most weeks, we try and make a meal together. And here's the thing. As we're making the meal, I try and not cheat. Try and not eat anything. Just in anticipation. And I don't know about you guys, but Thursdays ends up being like taco night or burrito night in our house. And so we're preparing the stuff. And then we sit down. We pray. And I don't want to be over dramatic here, but I take a bite. And that first bite is a sign of reorientation. That first bite on my taste buds that fulfills my longing is a picture of reorientation and heaven coming to earth. It's it's a picture of experiencing what we will experience when Jesus makes all things new and wipes every tear away and brings his kingdom to earth. You following me? I hope you're following me, man. One of the things we do when, if you fast and if you just do short increments of fasting is you go from orientation to disorientation to reorientation. You go from what was good to now being aware of the brokenness all around you to then also when you take that first bite of your first meal after a fast, it is a clear picture that Jesus is inviting us to the table and he will fulfill all of our longings. Come on, somebody. And so... As I've developed this in my own life, this is why I do it. People fast for all sorts of reasons. But one of the things fasting does is it draws us weekly, monthly, whenever you want to do it, into the story of God. And I just think all of us need to practice that story over and over and over till Jesus returns. And so this is my way of doing it. And it's painful and it's not always fun. But it is, is a practice that shapes us. So that's my story. Orientation disorientation reorientation being fully fed to the hunger pains of disorientation to then that first bite of reorientation now a couple practical things i hope this has been helpful but just before we close a couple practical things and scott mcknight says this in his book if you battle or deal with um, eating disorders or different disorders when it comes to food, we would, I would just encourage you and we would encourage you to be very careful. This may not be a practice for you. It may not be for everybody. Some people have asked about my days and about fitness and being active. Listen, sometimes people can't do a weekly fast or whatever because your job demands from you to be active and that it would be detrimental to your job. I would really caution from that. Fortunately, in, in this position, you know, working for a church, there can be a day that's not as grueling when it comes to physicality. So the days that I fast, I don't work out. I work out, try and work out uh, a bunch throughout the week. But on the days that are fasting, obviously, uh, I give that up. The other thing I just want to suggest before we uh, land this kind of whole discussion is don't don't become super religious about this. Let it become a practice, a pattern, and a rhythm but don't let like just because it's something you do, and maybe within and this is with all the disciplines, just because you do something, doesn't mean it's always going to be constructive. And here, here's what I mean by that: um, a few months ago, maybe I was probably six months ago, I had woken up on a Thursday after our community meal, and it was my fast day, and I woke up, and my ten-year-old daughter had made. Our whole family, she woke up early, made eggs and made these amazing like bacon and egg breakfast sandwiches. And she was at it for like 40 minutes preparing this. And so I came down the stairs and I saw everybody eating and she had made, we- made me one and her eyes had just lit right up. She was so excited just to share what she created. She loves to bake and cook a bit. And so this was a joy to her. And so she handed it to me and in my mind and in my heart, I knew it was fast day and I was a little conflicted. But here's the thing. You know what I did? I ate the freaking breakfast sandwich because that was more flourishing in that moment than a practice that I've committed to for the last year or so. I hope that makes sense. I don't want... And we don't want the practices to become destructive to other moments. And so in that moment, I laid down my fast. For the betterment of my family and because my head daughter had forgotten that I had fast, that was a fast day and had gone over the top, it would have been destructive for me not to eat what she had prepared for me. I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down. And so one of the things we want to say is be cautious around activity and you know, if your job is demanding, just be thinking through that if you have eating disorders. But also don't treat this as like a religious rigid thing where if somebody prepares you a meal, you say no right? There may be times for that, but I just know in that particular moment, it was better for me to eat the breakfast sandwich than it was in that moment to continue the practice. And all of us need to discern those things. And I hope you, again, I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down because we want this to help lead us to be flourishing disciples. And so in that moment, one decision was greater than the other, if that makes sense. At any rate, brothers and sisters, I hope that this is something we can all join in on. Think about practice. And uh, I know um, Lent is a time where we abstain from things and fast. And uh, maybe even next Lent, you could remember what we've talked about here and put into practice some of those things. Either way, brothers and sisters, I hope this has been beneficial. Hopefully you have an amazing Easter. What a great time of year to not only reflect on Jesus' death, but also to party in his resurrection. We'll talk to you soon.